This episode discusses one story of sexual assault and another containing a graphic injury. It may not be suitable for all listeners. But I'm yeah. I'm weird like that, That's you know. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. But um... I'm one of those people who firmly doesn't do their job, so <laughs> Uh, skating by with so you as little <laughs> productive uh, work done as possible. Yeah, so you wouldn't agree with my assessment. So it's fine. Um, it's all fine. There are so many worse things in life um, that True. I should just shut up about We're probably it. about to talk about a few. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, when you hear my story, you're going to be like, you fucking twat, <laughs> talking about your bad day with what this woman has been through. Yeah, oh, you're God. right. It's very cathartic, you know? It's like... Diving into someone else's story. Yeah. And I, I Making you, you realise that getting pissed off about cats is... Uh, can I clarify? I'm not pissed off at the cats. Okay. The cats are lovely. The cats are wonderful. The cats are just the subject matter. Mm, yeah. But... My woman is like, oh, I should never complain about anything in my life again. In theory, though I have spent all day researching her, and the first thing I did was leave you a voice note Yeah. in a mad tirade. <laughs> so clearly I've learned a lot from our process doing this. Okay. Well, do you want to go yeah. first then? How depressing is yours? Mine... Uh, my, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got peaks and troughs as always. Mm-hmm. I think I said that last week. to be doing this week the attorney Gloria Allred. Cool. Now she's one of the bigger people that I've covered. You yeah. may have heard of her. I would but I don't really know a lot about her. Okay so. there's a really really. I mean I do. What did you say? I do know of her. You do know of her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a great documentary on Netflix called Seeing All Red. Okay. Uh, which is about her. Yeah, good pun. She's also yeah. She's been parodied on Saturday Night Live. Uh, she's been on. She's been parodied on South Park. She's she's become like a public figure, often of ridicule mm-hmm. and scrutiny. But actually, I think she is pretty impressive and deserves a place in history as one of the women who has fought for women's rights harder than most. Wow, okay. She was born in July, July 3rd, 1941, in a Jewish neighbourhood of Philadelphia. Her dad was a door-to-door salesman, um, and he pretty much had just enough money per day. He'd leave out money for for her mum, who was a stay-at-home mum, to buy groceries enough, just enough for that day. So, and then she also said that she would go to the cinema and he would wait outside and say, oh, I don't really want to see this film. Aww. And then she later figured out that it was because she she, he money. only had enough money for her ticket. So money was tight, but she was very bright. And uh, she, when she started talking about going, wanted to go to university, he said, if you get in, you can go. I've been saving. And so she got in, obviously, and she went to University of Pennsylvania, where it was 93% male 
and 7% female. So it sounded like getting a boyfriend was easy peasy. Yeah, because what year was that, like 1960 something? Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, so she was like, and apparently she was a big hit. Big hit with the boys. Right. Lots of friends. Which I imagine is the most important thing to come out of her time at university. Absolutely. Which is why you're mentioning it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Who cares cool. about the very impressive degree that she did? She was a hottie. Or the dissertation she did on civil rights and um, uh, entirely African-American authors. Yeah. Not important. No. So she met Peyton Huddleston. And by 19, she was pregnant. By 20, she'd had her first and only child. Okay. Uh, Lisa Bloom, who we will learn about later. So Peyton, so they were married. Um and Peyton went to boot camp and then Gloria was um, alerted to the fact that he was uh, in hospital. She went to go and see him and it turned out that he was in hospital for mental health reasons, which back in the 60s was obviously... Mm, big not, stigma. Yeah, mm. not talked about, not really dealt with um, properly. And he was diagnosed with bipolar, which meant that his behaviour became erratic mm-hmm. She felt that his his behaviour was too much of a risk for her and her daughter to be safe. So she decided to move back in with her parents. But she didn't tell her parents why. Right. Uh, she didn't tell anyone why because you just didn't back in the day. So she'd get other people saying, like, just go back to him. What's he done? You know. And she obviously stood to her guns. And then years later, he would eventually take his own life. Before that, she had to deal with a lot of him not paying child support and her having to go through the courts in order to get child support. And in those years, she she realised, well, I'm just going to need to... I need to support my daughter on my own. So she started teaching at an all-boys, almost all-African-American high school whilst doing a master's in English education. So she would commute from Pennsylvania to... Sorry, from Philadelphia to New York two nights a week to carry out her master's at NYU. And like I said, her dissertation was about African-American authors and civil rights. And one of her professors at NYU said, have you ever thought about looking into women's rights? What about your rights? And she was like, well, what about my rights? What don't I have the right to do? And then she started to look into it. And then she was like, holy shit. Mm. There's so much I can't do. Like we all have to. Yeah, like, exactly. We're, all like, we're fine. What's wrong? Everyone's equal, right? And then you're like, then oh, you're like, no. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, and then you can't unsee it for the rest of your life. You certainly can't. Yeah. So in 1965, she moves to LA. She said for the sunshine, and this is around the time of the Watts riots. So I hadn't heard of the Watts riots, so I looked into it. And the Watts riots happened on the 11th of August. Well, they were initiated on the 11th of August, and they lasted six days in 1965. And it started when uh, Marquette Fry, an African-American motorist... This is entirely ripped from Wikipedia, by the way. Okay, sure. Uh, just to cite my sources. Yeah, of course. An African-American motorist on parole for robbery was pulled over for reckless driving. A minor roadside argument broke out and then escalated into a fight with police. Community members reported that pregnant women got hurt by the police. And then that sort of blew up the whole situation there were six days of civil unrest followed 4,000 members of the California Army P- 
uh, National Guard helped suppress the disturbance, which resulted in 34 deaths. Jesus. Over $40 million worth of property damage, which is the city's worst unrest until the Rodney King riots in um, 1992. So they were obviously really desperate for teachers and she'd moved to LA and so she said, is there a job going? And they were like, yes, please come immediately. So she did, she worked there and she became a really big figure in the teachers union, learning about and protesting a lot of, well, at that time, mid 60s, there are plenty of protests to go Mm -hmm. on. Obviously feminism, a new feminist movement is uh, rising, civil rights marches, lots of protesting. She would take her daughter on these protests and get a lot of flack for doing that. Mm. Okay, so while she was in her 20s, her and a friend went to Acapulco, Mexico, and she met a doctor who asked her to dinner. She agreed, and he said, oh, I just need to go to check on some patients at the hospital. So she said, okay, and she went with him. And then he said, oh, I just need to check on some patients not in the hospital. And so she said, okay, and went with him. And then she walked into a room, there was no one there. He shut the door and pulled a gun on her, and he raped her. She got pregnant as a result of the rape, and this was a time before Roe v. Wade. Right, okay. So I'm just going to pause here and just do a quick summary of Roe v. Wade. Mm. So Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision of the Supreme Court ruled that a due process clause of the 14th Amendment, the U.S. Constitution... Yeah, so the U.S. Constitution provides fundamental right to privacy... Uh, so that protects a woman's liberty to choose whether or not to have an abortion. So this privacy sort of clause, they decided encapsulates or allows the woman's right to decide. So right. before this, it, was, it wasn't illegal to get an abortion, but it was illegal for any medical professional to carry out an abortion. Right. Which is why there were a lot of backstreet abortions. Mm, yeah. So the Roe v. Wade ruling... Basically, it made carrying out an abortion legal by medical professionals. In the first trimester, the government couldn't prohibit at all. Anyone can get an abortion, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. Well, I assume some questions asked. Second trimester, governments could intervene due to health reasons. Right, okay. And then the third trimester, governments could prohibit entirely because the fetus can is viable yeah it's viable outside of the womb exactly Mm -hmm. you can if the woman's health is at risk she gets pregnant as a result of this rape Mm -hmm. and as this is pre roe v wade she cannot access medical professional medical care to have an abortion Mm -hmm. so she has to go to a backstreet abortionist who she pays and then, obviously, as they are not medical professionals, mm-hmm. she hemorrhages oh and ends up bleeding in a bathtub, nearly dies, has to be packed in ice and taken to hospital because hospitals will look after you after Once you've been it's butchered. Done. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So she obviously recovers. Yeah. However, a nurse says to her, "That will teach you," <laughs> which is lovely. Yeah. Cool. Really. Yeah. She didn't report the rape because she felt like he was a doctor and she wouldn't be believed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rape wasn't widely reported mm-hmm. back then, as it still isn't mm-hmm. now. So, yeah. 
1968, she met William Allred, who was a successful businessman, who encouraged her to go to law school. She was obviously, she was part of the Teachers Association. She was very, obviously very bright. And uh, she was very interested in social change. And so he thought, well, it makes sense for you to go to law school. So she did. She went to Loyola into uh, University School of Law. After graduating, she started a law firm, which it, it, she's still a member of, called Allred, Morocco and Goldberg in 1976. Mm-hmm. She started going to meetings about equal rights when she um, became a lawyer. And then that graduated into she started volunteering for National Organization for Women. And she was one of the few female lawyers around. So she was a really useful and integral part of their organization, really. And at the time, Jerry Brown had been elected governor and he'd promised to elect more women judges but hadn't followed through on the promise. So the women of the National Organisation for Women decided to stage a like a news conference and they said, OK, Gloria, you're going to be the face of it. You're going to... Here's what you need to say. You're going to turn up. And she was like, why would anybody listen to me? This is crazy. I'm not, you know... Uh, I don't. Where would I go? What would I do? And they said, just go here, say this, it'll be fine. And then she late. I listened to a podcast with her earlier, and she later said that the reason why she was the one who was put forward for it was because all the other women had intentions of going into politics and right. didn't want to be. So didn't want to stick their neck out. Exactly. Right, didn't okay, want to be yeah. um, speaking out against any government officials. But <coughs> she did it, and obviously she smashed it. <laughs> Jerry Brown then started to elect more more female judges. And then she was sort of the female lawyer to have on talk shows. She was the female rights lawyer. So right. she really, like, she stepped into that role really nicely. Mm. Um, and she would be, she said, I had to decide what I was going to be like. And I decided I was going to be strong and show no fear. And you can see what you can see on the documentary. They have loads of clips of her just battling right. with men on uh, on TV. And then and it just goes to show you how, how much sense she's talking and what utter bollocks <laughs> these men are just like spouting back at her. Mm. Like one of them's like, "You just want to make women into men." I was just like, oh my god, just because you want women to be paid equally does not mean that we want women to yeah. be oh, it's just ludicrous to hear what they are yeah. what they're talking about. So she was very vocal, obviously, and people really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. She had to deal with a lot of shit from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Some of her cases through the years, I won't go through all of them because obviously she's been practicing for 42 years Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of cases to cover but she is she's accused of having a massive ego and just being a basically an attention whore Mm. but and like (laughs) out for the cameras when actually what she's done is she's used the way that the media works to her advantage Mm -hmm. to become very successful Mm -hmm. for her clients because obviously she's only successful if she's winning cases and the cases that she's taking on are uh cases representing women she represents a lot of lbgtq rights she did a lot of aids discrimination cases but again, 
Is that criticism ever leveled at a man? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, but yeah. there's a really good podcast and I wish we could play some of it. But because it's another podcast, I feel like we should, probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where she's being interviewed by this guy and she says, would you call yourself a feminist to him? She explains fully what she means by a feminist, that men and women deserve equal rights in the law. Yeah. And he says, absolutely not. And he's just talked about how it's so impressive what she's done and he's got a two-year-old daughter and if she ever was in a situation, Gloria would be the first person uh, she, he'd call and yet he won't call himself a feminist. That's the F word. And he, can't use yeah, that. And then they start talking about the pay gap. Oh, it's a choice. It's because women go into roles where they're not going to be paid as much. Women don't go to the mm. top. They don't choose those positions and she very calmly explains to him the reasons why there aren't women in those positions Mm -hmm. and he is just completely ignoring the fact and just continues who is that i don't know his name okay he's on a podcast i've just got a suspicion of who it is i'll show you a podcast. he's like he's a i don't know what he's doing with the podcast he's like a businessman he talks about how he employs like oh well i employ 54 percent women and it's like well what do you want a fucking medal like and he's like, and my best my best salesperson is a woman. No. And she's smashing it. What a shocker. Yeah, and I bet you all the men in her, his boardroom are men. Yeah. Can I intercede with um, yeah. a counterpoint to his point, even though I'm not talking to him? Um, the BSOVA, which is the British Society... Nope. Fuck, it's my own profession. British Small Animal Veterinary Society. There we go. Is like the, the representative body for vets in the UK. Mm. And they published a study recently where... Um, it's a, the, the old classic study where they had two CVs which were exactly the same mm. every word was the same one was called John one was called Sarah so um, gave it to people and asked them to rate the um, candidate obviously the um, the male candidate was rated significantly better than the female candidate it was said that he wasn't professional he was this blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and but what was that's been done before we know that happens but what was really interesting is that um, they asked the people rating the CVs beforehand how much for um, pay discrepancy do you think there is between genders and the people who said there's no no gender pay gap in the veterinary profession were the ones to most um to rate the two candidates most disparately uh, the ones who said yes there is a gender pay gap generally rated them the same on a par. which is such an interesting mm. little niche that it's like this just proves it the people are like there's no fucking difference women mm. have all the rights there's, you get everything it's like you just can't see how mm. you automatically favor the men yeah but that's sorry quick aside well, but i think al- that's a very interesting then study. he also goes into yeah but women choose to be teachers and nurses and she was like and he said oh and um but that's down to choice and education and she goes let's not insult women by suggesting they're less educated than men (laughs) yeah and then she's like and also i think if we're going to talk about this then yeah women do get put into occupational ghettos yeah, and nursing is an occupational ghetto. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, is there is there any As profession teaching, yeah. more worthy of like three times the salary? Yeah, exactly. Than what they have. Yeah, yeah. and also mm. the fact. Yeah, so and he was just you know when you're listening to like somebody, it's like listening to Einstein talking to fucking Jedward. <laughs> Like it's like you want to pull your hair out. Yeah, like, and this guy at one point. Sorry, I'm just ragging on this podcast now. Sounds like at you one it. at one point, he's like, "Yeah, but you're an alpha. You're an alpha. I'm an alpha. You wouldn't expect a beta man to come and run a company." 
And it's just like, you are so oh. full of utter shit. That's vomit Why does it come down? Yeah, and so he's just such a classic, like, <laughs> like, oh, God. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I digress. No, I feel you. Not all men. Hashtag not all men. Yeah, so she becomes the spokesperson for all things women's rights. Mm-hmm. There's actually, there's a really nice quote from one of the people in the documentary who says, Gloria Steinem was the philosopher who creates the movement and then Gloria Allred is the soldier who sort of carries mm, it out. That's cool. Which I think is a really cool. Yeah. And Gloria Steinem is on the, the documentary as well. Mm, and she's cool. just so incredible. So, um, so she's in a drugstore with her daughter and her daughter points out that there's a boys' toys section and a girls' toys section. And the boys' toys section is obviously incredible. And the girls' toys section is lame. Doggies. And it's all, yeah, yeah, cleaning, hoovering, little ironing boards. Mm-hmm. And so she sues the, the drugstore for sex discrimination and wins. Cool. So that's the start. Well, that's one of the one of the first um, lawsuits that she brought. Mm-hmm. She also fought for fathers to pay child support directly out of their paychecks, which there's a really good clip on the on the uh, documentary where there's a where she's saying it should just come out like tax does. Mm. It should come out like your national insurance. Mm. Why? Why not? You what is it? Because otherwise, it gives them control to give it or not. To not give it. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, it should yeah. be a court ordered thing where you. Because if it, I mean, even if it's court ordered, you can still go against that. Yeah. And then, because the courts are so overrun, that actually, the chances of you being convicted. Or yeah, a quite slim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this guy is absolutely outraged. It would never work. This is so out of order. And it's just like, why do you, if you aren't in that situation, and even if you are in that situation, you think that the mother of your child, doesn't deserve. the care of your child doesn't deserve the money to support your child yeah. there's an issue there's a problem there so yeah. though this was possibly my favorite one this is okay you're gonna love this one so lauren Drury, which obviously i've butchered and you could speak french so you could say a lot better restaurant oh right like I the orangery sure okay whatever. yeah restaurant Sounds good to me um had a menu it's like fancy restaurant had a menu with price like two separate menus one for men with the prices on and one for women without the prices on. Oh. So I've just twigged what like why they've yeah. done that. Yeah, okay. And so shockingly, Gloria suggests, you know, had a problem with this. And so she said, you know, men and women are entitled to equal service and a woman, should she want to, should be able to pay for a man's meal or even her own. <laughs> And she's, there's a great quote. No. There is a great quote. Don't be such a lunatic, Julia. Where she said, Since women are always asked to pay for their dates in one way or another, it's only fair that they know what their investment is before they decide <laughs> a dividend. <laughs> Which I that's think good. is brilliant. Yeah, that's good, yeah. It's just, oh, it's just so, isn't it? Infuriating. Anyway, they yeah. won. Yep. She sued... Saks Fifth Avenue for charging women more for alterations than men. Larson versus Sheriff of LA County was a an action, a class action lawsuit where against the state saying that women shouldn't have to give birth in chains, and they won. Right. Because obviously that's quite a horrific experience yeah. as it is, let alone being yeah. chained to a bed whilst you do it. Yeah. 
So the longest case that she had was a woman who alleged to be molested um, by several Catholic priests. This was obviously well before the spotlight mm. um, thing. So basically, the Catholic Church just wanted to run out the statute of limitations. Right. So they said, yeah, we're getting to it. Yeah, because she obviously went to them first to deal with it. Yeah, we're going to it. Yeah, we're going mm. to it. And just didn't and was letting the clock run out. Mm. Um, she'd had a baby by one of the priests, uh, which is pretty clear evidence, you would say. When the legal proceedings started, all the priests just disappeared, as they are wont to do in the Catholic Church. Just disappeared. So this went on for 20 years, okay. this case. They did a DNA test of the child and it was the priest's child and so eventually the catholic church settled so they didn't admit guilt she gets a lot of shit for settling lots of cases but actually she said well in a lot of cases women just want to be vindicated yeah and want the and reparations for yeah exactly yeah. and and that money covers uh legal costs it covers therapy bills it mm -hmm. covers loss of wages in mm -hmm. that time they it's just, still a positive outcome just because yeah, yeah just because there mm. isn't a conviction or an incarceration doesn't mean that it's not a valid mm. um way of solving mm. or you know dealing with the situation she did sit-ins like there was a ira reiner which is one of my favorite names ever <laughs> who was the DA for LA, she had organised a meeting with him with some women who weren't getting child support payments from their husbands or from their partners. And he was he refused to see her, so she did a sit-in and then they kicked her out and she was very... It was very sort of like, as you would want to, like big sign. Mm. Shame on you, Ira Reiner, for not... It was great, absolutely yeah. great. She was the first female member of the Friars Club, which is one of those all men those weird just like wanking each other things. off in under the table deal yeah, yeah they're weird as fuck. yeah so she sued them for being sexist right yeah and then became a member and there was a big hoo-ha about her going into the sauna and she was like look i don't want to see your dicks either <laughs> i'm gonna be wearing a bathing suit when i go in there i invite you to do this. exactly yeah and so <laughs> the first time she went in there she knocked on the door and she was like i'm coming in <laughs> And she came in, pulled out a tape measure and started singing, is that all there is? <laughs> and then she was like, and that was the end of it. But it's, it's just, oh, she's just an absolute joker. Yeah. Um, so good. she, yeah, she was responsible for shining a light on sexual harassment in the workplace, but well before it was, I mean, she really was a pioneer in this kind of fighting for fundamental women's rights. Mm. I think there's something mad, like, I don't think women could get a credit card on their own in America until 1973 or something. Mm. And I think they could still be fired for being pregnant up until about 1970-something. Well, funny you should bonkers. say that. She represented Hunter Tylo, who was an actor on Melrose Place. Mm -hmm. And she sued the production company, essentially, because she, they fired her when she got pregnant. Right. So, And she mm. got a $5 million settlement Sweet. out of that one. Okay, good. In... 1987 she divorced William who turns out sounds like a bit of a shit really mm -hmm. they had a 19 year marriage but he was uh, I don't know whether he was convicted but he was certainly implicated in fraud he filed for bankruptcy there was quite a nasty divorce um, there's quite a sad bit where she says 
when I was going through it, I saw, I wished that there was an, a Gloria Allred to fight for me, and mm. then I realised I was Gloria Allred. Yeah. And so, yeah. But she, I mean, if, she, if she's not a an example of picking yourself up, and and she talks a lot about first we cry, then we fight, right? And you can see that throughout everything that she's done. Mm. I mean, she's turned really life changing, awful experiences into fighting for women and being an advocate mm. for minorities. And yeah, yeah, I like that phrase. First we cry, then we fight. I yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty inspiring, isn't it? So she also represents one of the two women who are who filed legal proceedings against R. Kelly. Mm, okay, yep. She's a huge uh, Hillary Clinton advocate. Right. And there's a really devastating scene, especially watching it now when you know the outcome, mm. where she's sat watching... Like, she's at all the Hillary rallies. She's got, like, a Rosie the Riveter poster with Hillary's face on it that she's right. carrying around the whole time. And then you see her watching all the results coming in. And it's just—it must have just been heartbreaking. I mean, well, I mean, I remember waking up and hearing the mm-hmm. result and just being floored, devastated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't imagine if you've you've done all that work yeah. for the campaign and you and live then, in the country and crucially. you live in the country. Yeah. yeah, and you've gone up against Donald Trump, and you know what yeah. an utter shit he is. Yeah. So she also she also represented whilst the tri- whilst the election was going on, she represented. Oh, uh, she represented Summer Zavos, who was an Apprentice contestant Mm -hmm. who brought forward a defamation case against Donald Trump, who, whilst he was campaigning, I don't know if you remember, but he was like, all these women... It was after the Grab Them By The Pussy Mm. video came out, and he was like, it's locker room talk, it's locker room talk. And then all these women who are coming forward, they're all lying. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's never been anyone who's more... Of an advocate for women. Mm. Um, (laughs) I love women. I love women. No one loves women more than me. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yep, she alleged that she was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump. And then there's a, there's sort of a, before the election results come out, they do a press conference with Summer. And then after the, after the results come out, they do another one. And she's like, this man is now our president. Mm. Like, so there's this, also this clip where they're talking about the women coming up, coming out against Trump, and there's this obviously there's this guy who's I'm guessing a Trump apologist mm-hmm. who says, yeah, and look, one of them's represented by Gloria Allred, so we know she's only in it for the money. So there's the fact that Gloria has won a quarter of a billion dollars in court settlements goes against her because mm. everybody just thinks oh well if somebody's out for money they'll hire Gloria Allred yeah because she'll win yeah because she's a fantastic lawyer mm. but then she was talking about but the oh in this bloody podcast where the guy was like do you ever represent men and she's like yeah I have represented men I've represented uh, two of the men that spring to mind there was a guy who was sexually harassed at work by a woman and there was another guy who was sexually harassed at work by a man and I won both those cases and he was like well why don't you do why don't you represent more men why? and she's like because of the numbers the numbers <laughs> yeah. of women who get sexually assaulted exactly because men as are more often in a position of power as we've already covered mm-hmm. and so women are obviously going to be the ones who are in the position where they're going to be exploited and their jobs are going to be held ransom 
and they're going to be sexually it's just how it works just mm. men commit those kinds of crimes on the whole on yeah. the whole yeah so that's a fact yeah and yeah. that's her job as a lawyer mm. so that those are the cases that she's going to be representing she also represented oj simpson uh she didn't she did not represent oj simpson <laughs> took a turn she represented <laughs> imagine <laughs> She represented Nicole Brown Simpson's family. Right, okay. Because what I didn't know is that when the state is prosecuting um, a defendant, so OJ Simpson in this case, the defendant, LA County, the prosecution, they are not representing the family or the victim. They are there to prosecute the defendant. They are there to get a guilty verdict. Right. They are not there to represent the victims and get so, any kind of compensation or anything like that no okay yeah that's what uh, that's why because he was convicted or he was found guilty in the civil proceeding which is more a balance of probability like is it more probable that he murdered her it, so it's an e- it's a not an easier it's a reasonable doubt right there's okay. no reasonable doubt it's more a probability thing oh, okay so he was found guilty when the family took him to civil court so Nicole Brown Simpson's family were watching her reputation being absolutely mm, slandered yeah. in that case. She was painted as this party girl, this drug addict, and they were just devastated, as you would imagine. And mm-hmm. so they hired Gloria Allred, who was there in the press, sort of reminding people, this is not, she is the victim. Mm. So OJ Simpson's lawyers, Johnny Cochran, was in the press every day mm. shouting about, his client and what a stand-up guy he was and Mm. what a national treasure he was and how awful it was that he was being put through this Mm. and nobody was doing that for nicole brown simpson until gloria allred was every valentine's day she held a press conference at beverly hills courthouse with her friend robin tyler and her partner and they would turn up to the courthouse and they would try and get a marriage license. And right. obviously they would be denied a marriage license. Mm-hmm. And every year they would do this. Mm-hmm. Until 2015, when they were eventually granted a marriage license. And the work that Gloria Allred did to get us to a place, what was that, 11 years later... Mm pretty huge and doing things like this using the media to her advantage helped spread the word and helped that vote because it's just canny it's just clever exactly that's exactly it yeah yeah so now her her firm is the biggest um women's rights firm in the country Mm -hmm. they represent victims who've been discriminated against on account of their sex race age physical handicap or sexual orientation they also work with victims of AIDS discrimination, sexual harassment, and sexual assault and rape. Her daughter is also a female rights lawyer who covers similar cases. She actually represented Black China against mm. Rob Kardashian. Interesting. In the revenge porn. Right. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. However, she recently has... There was something of a scandal and she represented Harvey Weinstein. But I read two different accounts where she was representing him and then the rape allegations came out and then she quit. Right, okay. And then I read another one that said that she was representing him as the rape allegations were coming out, worked for a bit and then quit. Anyway, Mm. either way, way she quit quit and she Mm. said this was a colossal mistake Mm-hmm. Uh, she apparently there was some she had been working with the Weinstein company before with on the rights to a book 
or a series that she had been working on. So sure, it seems like it seems like if you worked in Hollywood, there's no avoiding the Weinstein company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and I, by the sounds of it, she left as soon as she could. Mm. Yeah, but her mum, Gloria was representing victims. Right. And basically said, I will represent the victims even if it means I have to face my daughter in Wow. And it sounds like <laughs> it was a bit of a rift was yeah. created. Yeah. In the, yeah. Also. But when you see them together, they are exactly the same. Really? Like, they talk the same, they look right. the same. It's mad. Yeah. Uh, and they're obviously both very intelligent women working really hard. Oh, she also, uh, Lisa Bloom, the daughter, also represented Janice Dickinson against Bill Cosby. Oh, okay. And Gloria represented 35 of the 50 women, or over 50 women who came forward against Bill Cosby. And that's a big part of the documentary is following mm. her through that case. Uh, many of the women coming forward, uh, they didn't have... So, statute of limitations. Quickly, before we finish. Statute of limitations is a time frame in this case it was 10 years for rape you must report that rape and in order to get into conviction within that time you have to have gone through the legal proceedings so a lot of these women who were bringing forward cases against bill cosby this had been well over 10 Mm. years ago so they'd all gone to gloria and be like what can we do what can we do and she eventually agreed to help them out and basically all they wanted was a voice and was for their stories to be told and so that everybody could know what they'd been through so she arranged all these press conferences where all of these women's stories could be told Mm. and through doing that she got the justice for victims act passed into law which got rid of the statute of limitations for rape in most cases rape and um child molestation Uh, which is huge. Mm. That's a massive... Because the reason... There's no moral reason to have a statute of limitations. It's purely because the court system is totally overrun. Yeah, so they need to put a pin in it somewhere. And it's to limit the number of Mm. cases that they have to deal with. Yeah. Considering how long on average it takes a woman to come forward after a sexual assault, it's really Mm. a catch-22. Yeah. Had Gloria not put these women's stories out there half of those women may not have come forward. Mm. So it really yeah. is like, it's so coming, yeah, it's using, yeah. it's using that to your advantage. Right, that's me. My person is called Arunima Sinha. Have you heard of her? Mm-mm. So she is the first female amputee to climb Everest. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty fucking Gosh. cool in itself, right? We could just end it there. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. But I'm just going to delve a bit deeper. Go for it. Because it, you won't fucking believe some of this stuff. All right. Um, okay, so she was born July 1988 in Uttar Pradesh in India. Her father died when she was three. I don't really know an awful lot more about her childhood. What we do know is that she was a national volleyball player for India. However, everything changed on April 11th, 2011. So she is 23 here. So 2011. She was travelling on a train to have an interview to be in the Central Armed Forces in India. It's something called the CISF. It's just like a central police force, basically. Mm -hmm. So she was travelling there for an interview. Robbers hijacked that train. And in her own words, she said nobody on the train was really doing anything about it. Um, They tried to take a gold necklace that she had and she fought back. Mm -hmm. And there was a struggle and she was thrown from the train by the robbers. 
Fucking hell. She was thrown onto a parallel track at the moment that a train went by. Ugh. And it, she was under the train, right? She was thrown under the train. She's been hit by this train. Yeah. She tries to get up, so she doesn't die, obviously. She tries to get up, and what she says is that she lifted her thigh and saw it was hanging in her jeans and that it was bleeding profusely. The other leg was also broken. So she knew she had so one the leg. ran her over. Yeah, ran both her legs over. Her right leg, the bones were like completely broken. The left leg was literally pretty much detached from her. So I she, mean, it's incredible that the other leg wasn't as well. I know, I know. It was still fucked up, but yeah, I not as much. I can't believe she's conscious. She was on those tracks for seven hours. She was on those tracks all night and nobody came to get her. 49 other trains went past. You're joking. And she was just throughout the night. She said she was screaming so much that she went blind. Now, I, I suspect that's like, because I'm obviously medically thinking, how can you kind of go blind from it? Certainly from like lack of oxygen or head trauma or any of those things could cause blindness. But we do know that when she was found in the morning by people, she she couldn't see. She couldn't see. She couldn't see. Could she see um, now? Yeah, it was a temporary thing. Okay. She also said that rats started chewing on her hanging leg. Stop. Yeah, sorry. This is in her own words, so, you know, telling her story. So basically pretty shit, right? And she's shouting all night for help. Anyway, in the morning, some villagers arrive and take her to a district hospital. Now, she can't see anything, but she can hear the doctors and the pharmacists discussing what they're going to do because they know that she needs her leg amputated. But it's a district hospital. They've got no access to anesthesia and they have no blood supply. She can hear all this and she said, just cut the leg off, right? Because she's like, you, you, and my leg's crushed. I've been there all night. I've enjoyed the pain. Just cut it off. And the doctor and the pharmacist both donated their own blood to oh, her God. in order to do this. And then they amputated her leg while she was conscious. Um, and in a talk I saw from her, she said, even today I feel that pain. Every time I speak, I feel that pain, which I'm not surprised about. So that was her left leg, okay? She, obviously, she's still got a broken leg. She's still in a bad state. She was trans- so This is the one that was hanging off. Yeah, yeah. So she was transferred to a trauma centre in Delhi and she was there for four months because obviously she needs like rehabilitation. She needs a lot of things. So she's at this trauma centre for four months. During this time, there's like police inquiry into what happened because basically they don't believe her that there was a robber. Um, there was circulation in the media that she didn't have a t- ticket and she jumped from the train or that she was attempting to take her own life. None of which is true. Um, and basically the train company refused to accept any responsibility they first of all they said she wasn't even on the train then it was like okay she was on the train how the fuck did she end up on the tracks then (laughs) well because like she didn't have a ticket oh yeah i don't know they just said oh she was on the track for some other reason so first they're like no no she wasn't even on the train and then they were like okay she was on the train but um she fell because of her own carelessness and all this kind of ridiculous stuff so basically the police didn't believe her um she got compensation from the india sports ministry presumably because she was a national level volleyball player she got twenty-five thousand rupees which is the equivalent of 380 us dollars then there was public outrage um so she got more she got the equivalent of 3100 us dollars so still you know life-changing injuries um the railway company offered her a job as their compensation <laughs> that was their their little token because you're probably not traumatized enough no exactly especially by the people who were like she wasn't even on the train yeah you want to go work for those guys oh, they seem like good guys yeah. yeah as an update in 2018 this this case has been ongoing for seven years since it happened from 2011 to 2018 mm. and she finally this um, happened in 2011 yeah 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 
the train company finally lost their tribunal case and had to pay her 700,000 rubies, which is the equivalent of 11,000 US dollars. So they've been fighting this for seven years that she wasn't actually on the train. I know, but still, basically, that had increased since when she submitted it in 2011. The maximum amount of compensation wasn't that much. So by fucking around and saying, no, she wasn't on the train, they fucked themselves over because the the maximum amount increased. So she said... Even that seems Oh, I know, but... That seems like, okay, in... I don't know, 1912. I know, but... She got 11,000 For life-changing injuries. So, sorry, injuries. Um, She said, had they just... Had they not tried to play manipulative and stayed with the truth, they would have had to pay me a a, a much lesser compensation. But anyway, that's just an aside. So while she was in hospital um, recovering, she really felt like she didn't have a voice. She thought people weren't really listening to her. She said that, you know, this is a quote by her, the biggest problem with people is they just look at your physical self. They look at my legs, not what is going on with my conscience, basically. So she said to herself, okay, you guys are speaking now today, you have a voice, but one day I'm going to speak and I'm going to prove who I am. So basically, while she was in hospital recovering and wondering, loads of people were talking about what she was going to do with her life and pitying her and thinking, oh, you need to just go and get a quiet job and blah, blah, blah. She decided that, you know, she's going to forget about volleyball. Yeah. But she's going to play life's most difficult game she says mountaineering so she decides i'm going to climb everest just to fucking show you yeah. all that you, you nobody needs to pity me right so she thought okay i need two things so i need proper training and guidance yeah and i need to raise money and sponsorship so she decided to so everyone was like you're bonkers you you know you one leg's artificial the other one hasn't even set yet and it's got a metal rod you've got three vertebrae broken in your spine you're mad you need to go and take up another job and just get on with your life is what everyone was saying obviously I mean, um, they've got a point <laughs> just you wait Julia just you wait and see um, so she decided to get help from Bachendri Pal who was the first Indian woman to climb Everest in 1984 um, and she went straight to her from the hospital because she thought she would be able to support her she literally went like she had like fresh amputated wound she's still bleeding basically and Bachendri Powell said um you know the fact that you thought about doing this in the state that you were in and what you've been through means that you've already conquered it in your heart now you have to do it for the sake of the other people which is wow I mean lovely she does still have to climb Everest but it's (laughs) a lovely sentiment obviously yeah and she said when I got out of hospital the only two things I was thinking about well how will I answer all these people and two how will I summit Everest like that's all she thought about so she went to a mountaineering institute when she basically got herself admitted um discharged early went to a mountaineering institute to train and this sorry she has a she has a prosthetic prosthetic limb yeah on her left leg and her right leg has like metal rods and things through it so her right leg hadn't healed yet and like i say her left leg was still kind of fresh and if she put too much pressure on it it would bleed so like really really this was soon after all this happened so she went to an institute to train for mountaineering because obviously you can't just you know, saunter up Everest. It's quite a big deal. Yeah. And she said that when she started, you know, something that would take people two minutes took her three hours because wow. she would have to just like the second her leg started bleeding, she'd have to stop, wait for it to stop bleeding, carry on like intense fucking stuff. And she's only just done it. Deal with having a prosthetic limb, which I imagine takes quite a long time to get used. So to. she said that doctors say it takes four to five years, and yet wow. she's there like I'm Straight getting up away. Everest. God. 
so she was training with a group of people and they were all able-bodied and she would obviously be behind them and be slower than them and they'd be like oh, i'll take your time or you know they'd be like go back just stop doing this mm-hmm. and she made a vow that there'll be a day when i reach the top before them and that'll be looking forward to me um so it took eight months of training but eventually she would end up leaving the group behind and she'd just be sat at the top having a snack waiting for them to catch up with her um after doing this she got full sponsorship to go to everest because obviously people could see that she was capable of doing this yeah so she said that the biggest challenge on her everest journey was explaining it to other people okay um because especially things like sherpas the first sherpa she came across like i'm not taking you up no, after learning that she had a prosthetic leg because right. it's like well you're you're putting me in danger as yeah. well so but eventually she found a sherpa to take her up um so she said that when she so starting everest so when she was on the rocky areas she was ahead of the group she was absolutely fine mm-hmm. when it came to the ice she was in trouble because she could make her she had crampons which are like the kit that mountaineering have which is like you put them over your feet and they stick stick into the ice yeah Yeah. so she said i could move my right leg onto the ice on a crampon even if it was excruciatingly painful i could do it yeah my left leg the prosthetic leg wouldn't move in the same way it would like slide down the ice Uh, even with the crampon on okay so again her sherpa was like go back this is silly yeah and she was like no this is my leg i'm going to work out how to use this in this situation yeah. so basically after several attempts of like trying to put her foot on the, the the ice would melt a little bit and she would make the hole deeper and then she could put her foot in the hole so like oh every inch is like yeah. scraped for do you know what i mean so so she eventually got up this icy part of it yeah quick side step here about everest because i didn't know yeah one in ten people die yeah. on everest i heard that the other day unbelievable Is, isn't it unbelievable not only that you probably if you've read about it that there are dead bodies just all over the mountain yeah they're like milestones apparently there's a guy with really bright green boots, boots. yeah yeah and i didn't like, know any of this to that guy you know that you're so far and yeah. have you seen photos no i haven't like they it just looks like there's someone sleeping there like really i guess because they're, well, like, they're preserved, preserved don't they but I didn't know this yeah. until I started researching her. And yeah, like there's one bit called like the Rainbow Valley. And that's just because everyone's coloured mountain gear can just be oh, seen. God. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And as she said at one point, you know, because they climb at night most of the time on Everest because the weather's calmer. Okay. And she said everywhere I looked with my headlight, there were just dead bodies oh, everywhere. God. Yeah. So at Hillary Step, which is basically the last point before you get to the summit. Okay. The Sherpa said, right bit of a problem you haven't got enough oxygen and i think you're going to run out before you get to the summit and so she had this kind of big decision about what to do and she was just like no i'm gonna carry on and he said sorry apparently there's a um like a mentality i can't remember what summit it's called. fever yes where yeah. people just go they yeah. lose all because it's like i paid so much money to get yeah. here and i'm going and I to need get to achieve regardless it. and then those people die yeah so i don't know if she actually had summit fever or this is just her personality i suspect knowing her it's her personality yeah um but yeah that is i think that's also why they don't stop to help people who are like dying and need to get off the mountain because they they just need to i heard this story about this woman who had who stopped and then got frozen to you know like frozen solid but she was still alive and these guys are like well if you're still alive by the time we come back oh my lord yeah, I think they have a dog eat dog mentality. Moral, yeah. yeah but then if you think it's cost you, well, it's it's literally putting a price on someone's head. Well, this it? is it, isn't it? It's cost you $100,000 to get there. But I think. And do this. I think Edmund Hillary said at some point, this has gone mad. Like, you're all putting 
climbing yeah. a mountain above a human life. Yeah. But the, um, and it happens time and time again, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, one in ten. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he said to her, "No, listen, you'll have the rest of your life to try this again. Just come back now." And she said, "No, you don't keep getting these chances. I'm just going to go for it." So, surprise, surprise. She, 90 minutes later, she summited Everest. So that was on the 21st of May, 2013, which, if you remember, her accident happened in 2011, was two years and a month after she got her leg. I can't even get to the gym. No. If I'm feeling slightly tired in a workout, I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll just give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're not climbing mountains, I guess. Yeah. Or the subject of a podcast. Yeah. Um, But apparently, so this death zone that happens between... I think Hillary Camp in the summit yeah. is like you got to get up and get back. Obviously, and right. one of the descriptions I read of it is like your body is slowly dying, essentially. Yeah, and like you've just got to get. You can you do it in the time before mm-hmm. your body dies? Essentially, is what it's about. Um, you've got to do it in forty eight hours. So anyway, so she gets to the top, she summits, and her oxygen is about to run out, and she is saying to the Sherpa, "Can you take a photo?" He's like, "Oh, all right, fucking hell, we'll do that. <laughs> then we gotta go back down." <laughs> So she's doing it. She's got like five cameras. To be fair, I do the same thing if I could get to the top of fucking yeah, Everest. No. I'm not going so anywhere without a photo. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, cool. Now take a video. And he's like, <laughs> no. He's like, we've got to go. And she said. Quick, do a boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. I'm going to do a wiggle. Well, that's what she said anyway. Um, but basically, she said... He was like, why do you want me to do a video so much? And she says that basically she had come to the terms of the fact that she wouldn't be getting off the mountain alive. But oh, she, really? Yeah, but she was like, but I need a video, she said, because if I don't if I don't make it, you need to take this video to India, specifically to the youth of India, and show them that you can do anything if you believe in it. Like, what... what like... Probably was a boomerang. <laughs> that's how you speak to the youth. <laughs> But her Instagram story but, was on point that day. It was lit. That it got was through. So lit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, when I read that, I was like, fucking hell. What yeah. is this woman? Like, how is she superhuman? Yeah. So anyway, so she did her video, blah, blah, blah. And then Sherpa's like grabbing her down the mountain. Yeah. So they take a few steps. Yeah. down, I would <laughs> So she summited at 10.55 a.m. If you summit after 11, it's considered suicidal because the weather changes throughout the day. The wind picks up, the snow picks up. Right. So it's she's already cutting it fine when she's making her flossing boomerang. She's like running through the filters on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, come on. <laughs> and most deaths happen on the way down because of stuff like this. Yeah. <clears throat> so she got so far down. She runs out of oxygen. She just stops. She can't go any further. She's exhausted. But what became clear to her in that moment is that, you know, she survived her ideal ordeal for a reason when she was lying on the train tracks yeah. for seven hours. So she figures that if she's like, it must be because God wanted her to create history, basically, is what she thinks. So at the same moment, another climber was going up the mountain. Obviously, it's past the 11 a.m. Like, suicide point. <laughs> well, he was, carrying... on the way down. <laughs> he was carrying two cylinders of oxygen and he, he's going up the mountain and he's like, oh, fuck it. And he dumps a cylinder of oxygen and goes back down. How fortuitous. She was like, lots of people say I'm lucky, I'm lucky, but I don't believe in luck. She's like, luck favours those who have the passion to win. Like, I don't know what else you'd call being dumped a cylinder of oxygen at 
8,330 yeah. meters when you're not going to get it from anywhere else. Anyway, I'm not ragging on her. I think she's pretty amazing. Either way, she got her cylinder of oxygen, right? And the Sherpa's like, oh my God, right? I think God does want you to survive. This yeah. is he was like, that never happens. That literally never happens. No, yeah, no one's like, I think I, I think I'd do this with less oh, oxygen. Too much yeah. oxygen, oh. yeah. So she gets the oxygen. The Sherpa runs and gets it. She gets him. She that is mental. I know. Sorry. I know. Now, usually to go from camp four to the summit and back again takes people about fifteen or sixteen hours. Took her twenty eight hours because obviously you know she is differently yeah. abled and she's also she's high on all that oxygen. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so people at base camp thought she had died because obviously she oh, took fuck, so long really? to get back. They just like right, she's gone then. And then she turns up and she's like woohoo. One point, this I'm nearly done. Um, at one point on the way down, another problem occurred. It wasn't just plain sailing. Her prosthetic leg became detached in her suit, but it's minus 60 degrees on Everest. So she said, I had a problem. If I opened my suit to fix it, I would get frostbite. Like, no question, I'll get frostbite. Yeah. Um, or I can't walk on my leg. Um, and at the same point, her hand was starting to show the first sign of frostbite. Apparently it's red first, then it goes blue, then it goes black. Once it's black, you need to amputate. So her re- her hand was red and bleeding and she couldn't bend it. Did she not have um, gloves on? Yeah, but it still happens. Oh, right. Like, yeah. Silly mare, she forgot no, the I mean, <laughs> No, but like, how could she see it? Obviously oh, uh, she like, I don't know. But, took her glove off. Oh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, and so she was like, shit basically yeah. what do i do and she ended up like fashioning something out of a rope to try and drag her prosthetic leg along as she got down to the appropriate yeah. uh, temperature and all that kind of stuff until she could fix it so yeah she's a fucking bad ass yeah and so basically she survived since then she's created an international sports academy for differently able people and also um people who are impoverished women and children um and her charity is called the Arunima Foundation um she's also gone on to summited the do the seven summits which is the oh, highest wow. mountain yeah. on every continent she completed it this year 2019 she's sure. still like 30 hold 32 isn't she something like that no no 31 something like that anyway so yeah so She's... How much of a failure do you feel right now, Anna? <laughs> so much. You fuck about with cat diarrhea for a, for a living. And I think I have a hard day. I know. Yeah. So she's amazing. Yeah. I literally can't even fathom what kind of brain, pa- like, yeah. determination you need to do that. Yeah, she's That's incredible. Like, And, like, what astounding. is she going to do next? Astounding. Do you know what's funny? Is that Gloria Allred was voted most persistent in her high okay. school class. I feel like... Isn't that funny that we yeah. picked two people and the key overriding quality is persistence? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what a bad bitch. What a bad bitch. Fucking hell. Can you believe it? No, and she's I so, can't believe it. I would, I would advise people to go and watch her on YouTube because she she is speaking Hindi in, I think it's Hindi, in her YouTube videos. But like she she's so interesting to watch speak because she, she's so impassioned, obviously. Yeah. And like the way she says things is just amazing. Um, Where do you go from there? Yeah, I know. She's done it all now, right? Like, what's, what's she, she going to do? do next? Her charity, I presume. But, um, God. Yeah, so, she, like, any one of those incidents, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm tapping yeah, out. It's fine. Yeah. But, <laughs> if a Sherpa was like, maybe you shouldn't do this, I'd be like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll okay. listen to you. You're the expert. Also, night on the tracks, I'd be like, well, this is clearly where it ends for me. Exactly. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Nope. There's no way I would survive rats chewing on one of my limbs. <laughs> I know. No. I know. So there we go. Wow. So that's Irony Thank Sinha. Thank you. Yeah. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. We can try and think a little bit about having her attitude if something goes wrong for us next time. I won't leave you a voice note next time. 
No, do it, because that really made my day. <laughs> it's really entertaining. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Garvey and Julia Stenson. Thank you to Hannah Gregory, our sound designer, and everyone at Wounded Buffalo Sound Studios. Music was composed and performed by Holly Buhaya, who you can find on Instagram at Holly Buhaya. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at All About Eve Podcast, and please like and subscribe.